Okay. So on 28A, You caused me to say something that I never heard from my teachers. First of all, you have to understand, no one ever came before me to base measures. I never slept in the base measures. Not a permanent type of sleep, more of a, a, um, a yeah, more of a fixed type of sleep, not even the temporary type of sleep. I never dozed off. I never left the base measures when there was someone still learning. I was always the last one out. And I never discussed in idle speech. And I never said anything that I did not hear from my teacher for, at all. So it's somewhat of a play on words. He says, you caused me to say something that I never heard from my teacher. In other words, you're causing me to list my character trait. You guys are thinking that it's some sort of a, a negative idea, a negative quality that I, don't, I say I never am willing to say over something that I didn't hear from my teachers. You have to understand who I am. Understand who I am, then you recognize that this is completely consonant with the with the, with the character traits and why he became such a great great Torah scholar. From all of his days, he never discussed idle matters. I did not walk four amos without either discussing Torah and without wearing tefillin. And no one ever came before him into the base of Medrash. He did not go to sleep in the base of Medrash, whether it was more of a fixed sleep or whether it was more of a temporary sleep. He never did that. He wouldn't even think about Torah learning if he was walking in an alleyway that has dirtiness in it. He never left anybody learning the Medrash. When he left, he was the final person to close the door and shut the lights. And we never ever found them sitting there and just quietly, uh, you know, spacing out, you know, or daydreaming. Rather, he was sitting and saying over Torah. And nobody else ever opened up the door for his students. Rather, he opened the door for his students himself because of how much he, uh, how much he was mechavit, how much he was trying to honor them, to give them the sense of what it means to become a Torah scholar. And he never said anything that he hadn't heard from his teacher at all. And he never said, time has come to get up from this measure, let's go leave. Except for Arab Pesach, Arab Yim and Kippurim, and Arab Yim and Kippurim. These are two times in which you have to prepare for what's happening at night. So these two occasions, he actually would encourage his students to leave. And that is indeed where Rabbi Eliezer got his mannerisms from and the way he approached Torah learning he got it from his teacher Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai 
Gemara now tells us a very famous price, a beautiful idea. Tanar Abanan, learned in a b'risa. Shmoinim talmidim hayu leh lehil azakin. Hil azakin had 80 students. Shloisha mehen ruiyin shetisha alehen shechina kamesh rabbeinu. Literally, they were on such a high level that they could have had, Hashem's presence could have rested on them the same way it rested on Mesh Rabbeinu. And another thirty of them were on one level down, and they were on the level of Yeshua ben Nun that the, the sun could have stopped in the sky for them, the same way it stopped for Yeshua ben Nun when he was conquering at Gilgal. And then there were twenty people who were on the, the lowest level, and it technically means the intermediate level, right? Who were in between those two levels. Gadol Shabakulan, the greatest of all them, is Yehonan ben Uziel. Katan Shabakul and Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai, and the one who's the youngest or the lowest level is Rabbi Yechanan Zakkai. So what's the, like, they get a, a, a sense of what the, what the difference is between the two of them. The Gemara is now going to list what Rabbi Yechanan Zakkai was and what Rabbi Yechanan ben Uziel was. He did not leave over, in other words, he studied intensely both the Mikra, the Torah, Umishna, and the Mishnah, and the Gemara, and the Halachas, and the actual practical law, the Agathas, and also the parables that the sages used to teach uh, some of the deepest understandings of Torah. The, the laws, the laws of the, of the Torah that are in the very, very um, nitty-gritty, like the, the granular understanding of the words of the Torah and the granular understanding of the words of the sages. Both the the, um, the the lesser things and the harder things, and some of the laws of how we derive halacha from verses in the Torah that are similar to other verses. Tekufais deals with the calculating of the Jewish calendar. The gematriais and the gematriais are the laws of the, are the numerology. Sichas malachias the language and the words that the Malachi Asharis, that these ministering angels are speaking, the Sicha Shedim, and the words that the demons are speaking, the Sicha Stekalim, and the words that the Tekalim, that the palm trees are speaking. Meshleis Kaifsin, the Meshaleis, the parables of the Kaifsin, of the launderers, Meshleis Shualim, the parables of the foxes, Davar Gadol, the Davar Katan, from the great matter and from the small matter. What does this refer to? Davar Gadol, the great matter, Maisimer Kaba, that's referring to what we call the, the incident of the chariot, which is a reference to Kabbalah. Davar Katan, Abayas, the Abayah Rabbah, what's a small matter? Even just the discussions between Abaya and Rabbah, the discussions that they're going to have, the back and forth that they have in the Mesmerjush, the Kayamash and Nemar to fulfill that which is written, the Hanchalaya Bayesh to, in, in, as an inheritance to those who love me, Yesh, I have, it's the Matriot 310, and their storehouses I shall fill. If we see that this is Yechon Mazakai, who's the, on the lowest level of these 80, how much more so the, the ones who are on the highest level? And the Gemara gives us a, an example. Amrul of Al they said about Yenis and Azil. At the time that he's sitting and learning Torah, if a bird would fly overhead while he was learning Torah, a, the, the, generate, the energy that is generated through his learning Torah would be so so intense that the bird that flies over him would immediately burn up. Someone is sitting with his head and most of his body inside of the sukkah. However, the table is outside of the of the sukkah. says the sukkah is possible, right? Why? Because the concern is that he'll end up getting dragged and he'll end up, you know, 
leaning over to eat over the table, and even though currently he's mostly in the sukkah, he'll end up eating not mostly in the sukkah. Baisel Machshir Baisel says this is not a concern. Is it not true that we went to visit? And indeed, it was sukkah, and he was sitting with his head and most of his body inside the sukkah, but his table was inside the house, and he wasn't concerned. And they didn't say anything to him. Shammai says to him, and there you bring a proof. Indeed, they did say to him, if this was their practice to do this, like you've never fulfilled the mitzvah of sukkah from all of your days. Mishnah continues, women, Jewish servants, and katanim and minors, but two women of sukkah are exempt from sukkah. A katan who no longer requires his mother is going to be obligated in, in the sukkah. The daughter-in-law of Shammai Azakin, Shammai the elder, gives birth. They make a, they cut off some of the plaster from the roof above her head. And what do they do? They end up putting a sukkah on top of the on top of her bed for the sake of the katan, for the sake of this newborn baby that is with them. How do you know that women and servants and Children are example of the Sukkah. The Tanarabanan we learned in Raisa Ezrach. It says that Kala Ezrach be Yisrael Yeshu Basukais, right? So Ezrach means uh, a citizen, a native born citizen. Okay? So Ezrach, Ze Ezrach, that teaches you that when it says Ezrach, I would have understood um, um, that any Ezrach, anybody, whether you're a, a man, woman, child, if you're Jewish, you're obligated. Ha Ezrach, the Ezra, right, the citizen, so when you have this hey, the hey hayatiya, it's saying that there's only some of these individuals. It's coming to exclude women. Call the rabbi says Then when it says call, it says all. It also comes to include a katanim who no longer require their mother's presence. Once they reach that age, indeed they are obligated in Amar Mar, the Gemara continues and it analyzes this price we just brought. Ha Ezrach, it says Ha Ezrach, the citizen, the Haitia Sanashim, to exclude women. The Memra de Ezrach, Bain Nashim, Bain Gabri Mashman. Is that to say that when it says De Ezrach, I'm sorry, the word Ezrach without the hey beforehand, that implies whether women, whether men? But Hanya, but we learned in Raisa, Ha Ezrach, the Rabbis Esan Nashim, Ha Ezrachiyas, Shachayabas Beinai. When it says Ha Ezrach by Yim Kippur, Right? And it says the citizen is coming to include women that are also going to be obligated in Inoy, in uh, afflicting themselves through the Hamisha Inuyim, as we learned in Nimr. Alama, Ezrach, Gabre Mashma. So indeed, if it says Ezrach, it is not. Ezrach by itself would actually imply specifically men only. And when it says Ha Ezrach, then it's coming to add, and it's coming to tell you not just the man who is the one group within the larger group of citizens, but Ha Ezrach is going to tell you all of the Ezrach, even women as well. So over here when it says Ha Ezrach, Kola Ezrach be Yisrael, it should actually include men and women. Amar Rabbah, You have to say this, you have to say this is really just Halakha Lameshim Sinai. Right? They had a tradition that this is what it is. And the Chacham over here said the way to remember that we exclude women is based on this Pasuk. The Gemara says like this, 
Haikra Vahaihecha. So which one is learned out from a Pasik, which one is learned out from a tradition? In other words, we have two different sigyas. One sigya is talking about Yom Kippur, and one sigya is talking about Sukkah. In one sigya, what we said is that when it says Ezra, without any additional hey, without the qualifier of hey Hayadiyah, then we will assume it includes also women. And then the hey Hayadiyah would come to exclude women. And the other sigya, we say, well, without anything, without any additional hey, it's only going to be men. And when you add the hey, then it includes also women. Which one was based on what was the uh, tradition, and which one is based on logic? Bisu pra'alamali. And furthermore, why do I need a pasik? Why do I need a, 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 a tradition? Hasukkah, mitzvah cessation, is my grandma. The mitzvah sukkah is a classic case of a positive time-bound command. And we know the principle. If you have a positive time-bound command, then women are exempt. So why do you need a pasik at all? Why do you need a tradition at all? The says like this, Yeme Kippurim, Midrav Yehuda Amarav Nachti. The Gemara says, in, in, in truth, there's really another problem. You don't need any sort of uh, halacha to teach you that on Yom Kippur, women are obligated in the Chamisha Inuyim. Because really, we derive that from the laws of Rav Yehuda Amarav. The Amar Rav Yehuda Amarav, Rav Yehuda says, Nimit Rav, Bechin Tanit Bey Rav Yishmael, Amar Kra, Ish Ayisha. Pasik says, Ish Ayisha, when a man or a woman, if they, if they do something wrong, right? And they are mailed by Hashem, and they trespass by Hashem, then the that nefesh will be cut off. That pasuk tells you that men, men and women are both equal when it comes to getting punished. So, in other words, we understand from there that of course women are going to be included in the prohibitions of the Kippur because they're included in anything when it comes any time it comes to punishments. They're on the same category. You have to say that the laws of sukkah that women are excluded from is indeed a tradition. But still, I need a pasik. I need this tradition. Why do I need this tradition? It's a positive time-bound commandment. We already have learned earlier that positive time-bound commandments women are exempt from. So why do I need a special tradition to tell you that women are exempt from sukkah? And it's necessary to have a pasik, uh, a tradition. I might have thought to say teshvu. It says teshvu came to do that they should dwell in the same way as they dwell in the sukkah, they should be the same way they dwell the rest of the year. Madira, just like your permanent residency, a man lives together with his wife, so too in your sukkah, they should be a man together with his wife. And therefore we need a tradition to teach you that you do not dwell together with your wife in the sukkah, because women are not obligated. Rava, Rava says, it's a different reason why I needed this tradition, because I would not have learned it out from the regular principle of women being exempt from a mitzvah cessation so I'm a positive time back commandment you could have derived based on a xerah shava based on a comparison of two different words in the Torah it says the 15th about sukkah says the 15th about Pesach it's just like by Pesach women are obligated in positive time-bound commandments on Pesach night. So, so too by Sukkot, Nashim Chayavis, women are obligated. Therefore, we needed the tradition to teach you that they're not obligated. Now that you've taught me that the, the fact that women are exempt from the midst of Sukkot is actually based on a tradition. Then why do I need a Pasuk as well? Why do I need a special Pasuk, the additional letter, Hey, by Ezra, to teach you that women are exempt? The Rabbi says, I gave him to include converts as well. Sagalei Tachamina, I would have thought to say, Ha'ezrach be Yisrael, that only the native-born in Israel. Amarachmana, Veloya Sagayim, but not the person who converted. Mashmalan, that even the convert as well is also obligated. 
Gemara asks now like this. The, the obligation that women have to keep the Chamisha Inuyim, the five different types of afflictions, on Yom Kippur, right, is learned out from Yehuda Merav. So, so if that's true, that it's learned out from Yehuda Merav, so then why do I need the Ha'ezrach by Yom Kippur to include women? Anyways, would have, would have learned it out from, from Yehuda Merav. So the Gemara says, I would have thought I needed to teach you the halacha of the Tesefas As we learned in Yumar earlier, that women, not, not women specifically, that everyone is obligated in what we call Tosefas Yom, the original sources from Tosefas Yom you have to add on both at the beginning and at the end of Yom Kippur. So I, need, I wouldn't need the Pasuk to teach you that women are also obligated in that Tosefas additional um, afflicting Since the Torah excludes uh, the extension of the afflicting of yourself from the Einish and from the Azara, from the punishment and from the warning, therefore women will not be obligated at all. Therefore we needed the Allah to teach you that they also are obligated in the Tosefas in the additional fast that comes before and after Amar Mar Mar is taught when it says all of the Ezra it's coming to include the minors who no longer are dependent on their mother but we learned in Mishnah our Mishnah teaches that they are exempt from Mishnah including Ketanim Amar says it's not a question when do we say that children are exempt from of sukkah, that's when they have not yet reached the age of chinuch, the age at which they are going to be inaugurated into the mitzvah. So once they reach that age, they are no longer exempt. What do you mean? The fact that katan, the fact that a child who has reached the age of chinuch is obligated in some level of mitzvah observance, that's only on a rabbinic level. And what are you going to do? What's this pasuk? You're just trying to explain to me that this pasuk of ha ezra is coming to teach you to include a katan who reached the age of chinuch, of being educated in the ways of the Torah. Well, if being educated in the ways of the Torah is only an obligation on a rabbinic level, then how would you have a Pasuk to teach you that on that he once he reaches this rabbinic level of requirement, actually he has to start doing the mitzvahs as well. That doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't need a Pasuk or something that is only rabbinic in origin. Or indeed answers, the fact that the Katan is obligated in Chinuch once he reaches a certain age and, and has to stay in the Sukkah, that's only on a rabbinic level. However, Ukra Smachta Almahu, and this Pasuk is not a Pasuk which is a literal source, it is what we call an Asmachta, it is a rabbinic, um, a rabbinic something for the rabbis to lean their law on so that the, the people will recognize the severity and the stringency of this halacha. Cut the chain We said that a child who no longer is dependent on his mother, therefore he's required in sukkah. What's the definition of a cut who's no longer dependent on his mother? Amr de says, Anybody who is able to go to the restroom and wipe himself. Or someone who wakes up from a sleep and doesn't start crying. Mother, mother. The Gemara says, What do you mean? That's not a great. That's not a great point. Sometimes even older children they have a nightmare and they call out ima ima. Ela ima kol shenei ve'ine kaira ima ima. So rather, it doesn't mean that you don't cry out. You, you have a nightmare. You wake up and you cry out ima. Right. 
sometimes that happens to the best of us. What it means is that you don't keep on crying. In other words, that you're actually awake and you're still calling out for your mother. At a certain age, you're no longer doing that. As we go to the next step of the Mishnah, he says there was a story and the daughter-in-law of Shammai had a child right before Sukkot. The Gemara says, Maisa Lister. It seems to disprove it because the Mishnah had started off by saying that if you have a katan in it, a katan is tzarachim, a katan is still dependent on his mother, then there's no obligation of sukkah for him. And yet over here you bring a story where he actually act, Shammai held it, she didn't need to have it. Gemara says like this, You have to read that the Mishnah is missing a couple of words, and this is how you should read it. But Shammai Machmer. Shammai, however, although the Iker Halacha was that you do not require a sukkah for a child who does not yet need who is still dependent on his mother, Shammai was actually stringent. And therefore, my tsunami, and the story goes, his daughter-in-law had a child, and they removed some of the plaster, some of the ceiling from the roof above her. And they put tzach on top of the bed for the katan. It's like the next mission. For the seven days of sukkah, he should make his sukkah his permanent dwelling place, and his house should become the temporary dwelling place. If the rain falls, at what point should he leave the sukkah? When the the um, when the mikvah, like this uh, special dip, as it's raining so hard that it actually gets spoiled. The parable they would relate. What is this similar to if it rains on the first day of Sukkot? You have a servant who is coming to pour out water for his master. And what happens? And the master takes it and just pours it out to say, Get out of here, I'm not interested in you. So Hashem says, I want you to go leave your house and go into the Sukkot on the first day of Sukkot. And when you go into that Sukkot, you're going to be showing the, the, uh, the closeness of the relationship between us and Hashem. And instead, what Hashem then tells us is, I'm not interested in you. Your presence is not needed. It's a terrible pachapunum, as we say, right? It's a slap in the face. The seven days you should make your sukkah your permanent, and your house should be the temporary ketza. How is this so? You have beautiful vessels, you should bring them into the sukkah. You have beautiful uh, things to lie on. You should eat and drink and hang out in the sukkah. That's where you dwell. You shall dwell the same way you live the rest of the year. We can't remember from here. We say, All seven days you should make your sukkah your permanent dwelling and your house should be your temporary dwelling. Kate said, How is this so? If you have nice vessels, Milo and the sukkah bring them into the sukkah. Matzah is nice if you have beautiful linen. Mylon l'sukkah bring the sukkah. Eichel v'shayisum atayal v'sukkah. Oh, v'shanein v'sukkah. You should eat and drink and hang out. And v'shanein and you should learn Torah in the sukkah. Barno asks, is that true that you should learn Torah in the sukkah? Any is it so? V'amar Rava, Rava says, Mikrach u'misne u'mital alasa. Right, so when it comes to learning Torah, when it comes to learning Mishnah, that you should do in the sukkah. Right? However, when you're doing a deeper analysis of what the Mishnah is trying to teach us, that should not be done under the sukkah. So we see that you're not supposed to learn the sukkah. Like kasha ha be migras ha be ayuni. The difference is like this. When we talk about learning outside the sukkah, what we're referring to is when you're having a very deeper understanding, you're trying to get, let's say, a sukkah liba de helchasah, trying to figure out what that halacha is. So then you need to be in a place where it's quiet, where there's no, no no disturbances, you're not outside essentially. So that type of learning should be done outside of the sukkah. But the type of learning that you're just doing regular learning, then that indeed should also be done in the sukkah as well. 
when he was standing and learning Torah in front of him. And they would say over the Gemara that they had heard from him. They would just repeat it first. So then only afterwards would they actually start dealing and, and delving into what was the deeper understanding of what he was trying to convey. So we're trying to express from here is that there's two different types of learning that we do. One type of learning is just to repeat over and to get very clear exactly what we have heard, exactly what the tradition is. And then the second step is to now try to analyze that on a deeper level to be able to figure out first principles, extrapolate and compare and differentiate the other stories that will then, other uh, cases that will come up in halacha afterwards. Okay. Take care, everyone. Have a good night.